It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode. Start the week off fresh with uh, some new podcasts dedicated to the one and only Colorado Avalanche. Uh, pretty good week last week for the Avs, 2-1. and one. A uh, very difficult week maybe coming up for them right off the bat Monday night with a primetime matchup against uh, the St. Louis Blues, and we will be kind of uh, giving you a preview of that towards the end of the episode. Uh, We are going to talk Taylor Hall stuff. Uh, We're going to do our three stars of last week, not named Nathan, um, and kind of get into a couple different areas of uh, where we are as the season progresses, and we are coming up on the uh, halfway point. So now the games, not that none of the, you know, all the games matter, but uh, especially against this uh, St. Louis team, now we're really going to start seeing where we stack up against uh, the kind of upper echelon teams of which the Colorado Avalanche are right now. Let's not kid ourselves. So first things first, like always, social media time. Follow on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram and Facebook. Search Locked On Avalanche. And send those emails in, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to ask or comment on, and uh, we'll use it on a show for some uh, mailbag segments. So send those emails, LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. And of course, leave uh, feedback whenever you can, especially on iTunes, um, and kind of let me know and let the masses know how amazing this show is. Because let's face it, it's spectacular. Okay, enough of that. First things first. Okay. Uh, injury updates. We know that uh, Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson will not be making this short road trip. Uh, they both seem to be on the mend and probably coming back very soon. Uh, and not to take anything away from Eric Johnson, but I, I feel like just... Uh, with the pulse of the people, everybody has more concern about Kale McCarr. Um, and they put him on the IR, which doesn't mean anything. People think, you know, when they hear IR, especially if they're football fans, going on the IR in, in the NFL means something like you can't play for a certain period of time. I think it's like six weeks or something like that. Like, pretty sure. I don't know, 100%, but I think it's pretty accurate. If you go on the IR in the NFL, you're you're on the bench until a specific date of when you go on the IR here. It's just McCarr was, has been a, has not played and he's been injured. He's not played due to injury for a week. So you can place him on the IR to, to free up a roster spot, which they need to do. Um, and, uh, whenever he's ready to come back, he can come back that day. So it's not that big of a deal. It's just a roster move. Um, both of them are skating. Both of them are in red jerseys, no contact jerseys. So is it going to be coming back sometime this week? 
I don't know. Kind of remains to be seen for that. But uh, the fact that they're both skating, I think, is a plus. So uh, I would, you know, if, if anything else, I would say maybe one more week at the most, and then we'll get them back. So, and like we've said multiple times, like the way that this team is playing, going through all their injuries that they have, no need to rush these guys back. They're in a good position in the standings. Um, you know, they're fighting for playoff position, but they're going to be doing that all season. So if things are going well, and right now they're going extremely well for the abs, give them that time. That's what they've done with every single injury they've had this year. They've not brought a guy back from injury that the next day or a couple days later, or even later on that week, he goes back um, on the injured list because they brought him back too soon. So the way that they're handling these injuries, and you would think with the amount that they have or had, they'd want to be bringing these guys back quick, but that hasn't been the case. They've been kind of uh, status quo with every single player that they brought back, and obviously it's worked. So, um, And that's a, a testament to, to Jared Bednar and his team, the coaching staff, the trainers. They know what they're doing. So, um, And speaking of Coach Bednar, I wanted to – uh, kind of congratulate him because after the Friday game against the Devils, winning that game, which was more of a difficult game than it really should have been. Obviously, Colorado was the better team, but um, the Devils gave him a run. And in the end, Colorado pulled it off, and it brought Jared Bednar up to 500 in his career. And just to kind of show you and tell you how difficult his first season was with the Avs and that god-awful year that they had. Um, it's taken him this long to get back up to 300, and the Avs have played well for those three these three years following that disastrous season. Um, and that just shows you how bad it was that the Avs have played well, and he's just getting back to 500. And that that's it's, it's I think it's an amazing feat, and I think he needs to be congratulated for that. And I think he it, it, it's it should not go unnoticed, and it's really not in the Colorado Avalanche circles. Um, but taking over a team like a month or so before it was even uh, the season was getting ready to start, I I remember when it happened when Patrick Wall left, you kind of felt like. Uh, you know, the guy that they brought in, oh, you know, they, they said all the right things and he's he's a great coach and he's going to get his shot. And when looking back on it, that season didn't have a chance. And you can say all the right things heading into the season and I don't care who was going to be in that position. That's not enough time to, uh, you know, get your roster in line with your philosophy. And now that everybody has bought into his system – Everybody trusts him. Everybody trusts his moves. They know his knowledge of the game of hockey. And look at the results. And, um, you know, I think, you know, he's 500 right now, and I think that's just going to be a, a distant memory um, whenever his career is over and done with in totality. Hopefully it's very long tenure with the Avalanche because he has done wonders for this team and this franchise. But uh, 124, 124, and 30 is Coach Bednar's overall record in the NHL um, and was a victory over the New Jersey Devils that got him for, I think, it's not the first time. The first season, I think he was like 3-3 three and three, or 3-3-1 three, three and one 
or two, two and one, something like that in the very beginning. And he has not been 500 since that point in time. So you have to heap praise on this guy. So speaking of the devil's game, let's kind of talk about some Taylor Hall stuff. When he was pulled right before the game started, you can understand why the masses were going a little bit crazy. They're playing Colorado, obviously. Colorado has been named as a favorite to land him. You know, they have the assets. They have the cap space, at least for this year, to take on his contract. They're kind of like the no-brainer for a place for him to land. Now, is he going to be the place that they land? Don't know yet. But it makes sense that the Avalanche are the team that everybody is throwing around that he would go to. I am on the side of get him. Do there, it, it's, There's a difference between want and need. Do we need Taylor Hall? No. Do we want him? I do. Um, obviously not for a massive haul. And I think that's kind of like what we kind of need to remind ourselves is Joe Sackick worked wonders in that Matt Duchesne deal. Held out, held out. This this is my asking price. And he held out for a long time until he got it. So we are trusting him with making smart moves. We need to trust him that he will make a smart move if he wants to bring in Taylor Hall. Bowen is out of the question. They, they are not going to trade him. Um, other guys, I think, are on that tipping point. And I think the fact that the Devils pulled him out of the game... Obviously, something is going to happen, and something is going to happen soon. When it happened right before the Colorado game, everybody was thinking, "Well, he's there. There must be a deal in place." I, I, you know, there's there's a deal in terms of Colorado has offered something to the Devils, and I think everybody else knows that. Everybody else knows Colorado is a destination for him. So now these other teams are coming in and throwing out other offers at. The Devils. I I don't know. I just have a feeling that the Devils liked what they had in a Colorado deal, but something changed last minute where they got a late, a midnight offer, and now it, the, everything is on hold again. And it's just ironic that the Devils also played Arizona after they played Colorado, and Arizona is another team said to be high on the list of teams that could acquire Hall, and they held him out for that game too. So that's two games in a row you have pulled this guy from your lineup against two teams that are trying to acquire him and that are considered high on the list of places that he could go. I, I The question I have is how many games are you going to hold this guy out? Now, the Devils don't play until, I'm pretty sure, Wednesday. I have to think something has to get done between now and then. You cannot hold this guy out. You can, don't get me wrong. But you can't keep just pulling this guy if there's nothing on the table. If there's nothing, if nothing is close, you are going to play him, um, knowing that there's nothing close. But if there's things that, that, that there's there's got to be an offer or a couple offers in play uh, for the Devils to pull him two games in a row, and whether it's Colorado, whether it's Arizona, now I'm here in St. Louis. Um, I'm hearing the Florida Panthers. And the funny thing is, in the end, it's probably going to be none of these teams. It's probably going to be some random team uh, that was not even in the mix at all that comes in with a massive haul to send 
to the New Jersey Devils, and that's what they accept. Just seems like things like that happen sometimes. But I fully believe Joe Sackick put in his best offer and is not going to budge on it. And it's either take it or leave it. I feel he, he put a very fair offer to New Jersey. And if they want to take it, they can take it. And if they don't want to, they don't have to. But I don't think Joe Sackick is going to overreach to get Taylor Hall because, like, everybody else is happy with how things are going for this season. Um, every team wants to improve their roster. doesn't matter how good you are. Look at, Like I said, St. Louis is trying to get him. St. Louis is one of the top teams in the league. And they are trying to improve the roster. Why would you not want to add him if the price is right? And I think the the Avalanche did that. I think they put in a fair offer to them. And now we just have to wait and see if uh, the New Jersey Devils want to accept it. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally... Sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and welcome back. So now we are going to get to my three stars of last week, not named Nathan because we could give it to Nathan McKinnon each and every week. Um, and kind of some familiar names for this week. Uh, the, the, you know, the team as a whole obviously is playing well. Um, and these three guys uh, continue to play well. And I'll just list them all right now and then kind of go over their stats game by game from last week. Um, number three, three-star I'm giving to Miko Rantanen. Uh, number two, I'm giving to Pavel Francouz. And number one, I believe this is for the second week in a row, Val Nachuskin. Impossible not to root for this man. <laughs> he is just has turned everything around since coming to the Colorado Avalanche, and we've said it over and over again on this show. Took him a little while to get going. He was so close so many times in the first handful of games, and when he finally broke through, 
he has been off to the races. So on uh, for these three gentlemen, anyway, for uh, for last week on Monday, the game that they lost against Calgary in overtime, hard-fought overtime t- uh, point they, they acquired, came back late in the game. And as far as our three stars, oddly enough, uh, and this is part of the reason why he, I gave him my third star, was Miko Rantanen. Uh, did not register a single point in this game. And um, that doesn't happen very often, obviously. You know, the great some of the great players in the game are going to be shut out. We've seen uh, the Avalanche and Nikita Dzorov, uh, personally, it, shutting down some of the best players in the league. So it happens. Um, but he got nothing out of this game. And Francois took the, the loss. Um 33 saves, however, just was not his best game. And another reason why he's on this list, because these guys did not play well. And then as the week progressed, they got stronger. And that's the sign of a good team. And that's a sign of good individual players. And then uh, Nachuskin, he did get on the board with a goal in this game. Fast forward to the Wednesday game against the Flyers. Once again, the Abs win that one 3-1. to one. Miko Rantanen with two spectacular goals in that game. Francois with the win. Uh, 32 saves on 33 shots. And Val Nechuskin gained an assist in that game. And as we fast forward to the Friday game against New Jersey, uh, uh, where are we? Rantanen with an assist. Francois, 38 shots, 37 saves. And Nechuskin added a goal in that game. So... Uh, can he go for three in a row? Can he get the, the trifecta? So we will see starting Monday night in St. Louis as far as games for this week. Colorado is looking at St. Louis on Monday uh, at the Blackhawks on December 18th. Then they're right back home the very next day against Carolina Hurricanes. And Saturday back home against the Blackhawks. So uh, that's your week for for the Avalanche. Kind of a busy week. Some big divisional games. Three or four games. Uh, three of the four games are divisional games. So and a very good uh, Carolina team coming to town. So um, we'll see. They got a lot of points that can be put up on the board uh, for this week. So we'll see how it goes. So right now we are going to uh, pause for a brief second. And when we return, we are going to look into the St. Louis game on Monday night. Very big game. Two big points available for the taking. And we're going to look into that just in a second. All right. So like I said in the beginning, coming up on the halfway point of the season already. Tough to believe, but uh, now these games are are meaningful. All games are meaningful. Not trying to minimize the beginning of the season, but uh, now we have a flow. And now teams are kind of separating from the pack. But other teams were kind of sticking with them, and they were going to stick through them throughout the duration of the season, you would hope. And one of those teams that we are neck and neck with is the St. Louis Blues. And uh, St. Louis is a a streaky, streaky team. Um, As good as they are, record-wise, they are 28-6. and That totals to 46 points. Uh, One ahead of Colorado's 45 Colorado does have two games in hand, however. Um, so as far as the season goes for St. Louis, 
Started off the season with a win, followed it by a loss, and then after that, it's been boom or bust. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. They won seven in a row, followed by three losses, followed by two wins, followed by two losses, followed by four wins, followed by three losses, followed by two wins. So it is a streaky team. Um, their last game, they did beat Chicago 4-3. to three. Um, As far as uh, team stats go, uh, points leader is David Perrin for 30 points. Braden Shen with, uh, is their leader in goals with 14. Good old Ryan O'Reilly, uh, facing his former team, leads them in assists. Uh, David apparently Perrin leads that leads them in penalty minutes and plus minus. If you care about that stat, Robert Bortuzzo, who some people are not a big fan of, leads them uh, in the plus minus with plus seven. And just looking at their roster, um, they're just a well balanced team. Uh, you just look at the spreadsheet of their stats, and they're kind of like spread out all over the place. A lot of guys have uh, a lot of time on the ice. Um, so they are, they are a very well four line team, just like Colorado is. So I'm really kind of looking forward to this game because, uh, every line is going to be at each other. No one line is better than the other line, um, on the opponent side. So where, um, St. Louis excels is in their special teams. Um, and I'm bringing up their stats right now in terms of, the power play percentage, they are in the top 10. They're number 8 with 21.6% uh, goals during their power play. And in their pen penalty kill, they are top 10 as well. They're number 6 in their penalty kill um, at just under 85%. They're at 84.7%. So whether they're on the power play or whether they are shorthanded, um, they're a, a, a tough team either way. Um, they give up 2.65 points per game while they score three points per game. Uh, so it's going to be a dogfight. There's there's no, I, I don't anticipate this being a blowout on either side. I think the first 10 minutes of this game, you're going to be in hostile environment. So the first 10 minutes, Colorado really just has to, if they can score, obviously get that first score. That always bodes well. Um, but just kind of maybe taking the crowd out of it a little bit. That if, Even going back to Friday's game in Colorado against Dallas, the first 10 minutes of that game were dull. Nothing really was going on. But that's what Dallas wanted, or Dallas, the Devils wanted. You kind of want to – now you want to take the role of, of the Devils when you go into a place like St. Louis. Just take the crowd out of it. Just play maybe a basic game in the beginning. If you're able to get one in net early on, then you're off and running. Good job. Now the question is going to be, who do you start at goal? Grubauer seems to be back at health, um, but Franzos is is the hot hand. And if it's me, I go with Franzos. I, I do right now just to see how he can handle a team like St. Louis. Uh, he, he's got the hot hand, so why, you know, I, I would assume by now – uh, Grubauer is 100%. And like we said last week, Bednar was gonna, not going to play him if he was not 100%. Uh, so at, by this point in time, he was close. We thought he might even play in the, the Philadelphia game, and he didn't. 
and then he didn't play in the Devils game. So another you know weekend off, he's got to be 100%. So do you play the hot hand in Francois, or do you get Grubauer back out there to just get him back into game mode? Regardless, if he doesn't even play against uh, St. Louis, he's going to play um, with the, after that back-to-back that they have, uh, who was against the Blackhawks and the Hurricanes. So he's either playing Wednesday or Thursday, no matter what. So that's why I would kind of sit him just one more game and then have him play against the Blackhawks. Um, but right now, I would run with, with Francois. Kind of just where I'm at with him. Because St. Louis, I mean, they're not a, a, an offensive firepower team. Um, I said they average three goals a game. That's middle of the road. That's 15th in the in the league. Uh, where they get you is on on the goals against, which was, what I say, 2.65. That is on the, on the higher end of the league. That's, well, if you're looking at it as worst being number one in Detroit, they are 26th. So that's, let's see, one, two, three, four. That's sixth best in the league. So they're not going to give up a lot of goals, and they're going to score just enough goals to beat you. Um, and if you look at their 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 games, um, they're typically scoring two, three, four goals a game, which obviously that will average out to three, exactly three points a game or three goals a game. So that's why I would kind of play Francois here because they're, they're not going to pound you down. They're not going to score that five, six, seven goals a game. They're just going to wear you down. And, and that's kind of St. Louis's game. And then uh, I think Colorado's up for the challenge because that's their game too. Their game is built on speed and wearing you down. And so it's, it's two teams that are just so identical in terms of how they play the game. Colorado just has offensive firepower and offensive weapons that St. Louis doesn't really have, but St. Louis is just good across the board. So they just know how to win, obviously, because they won a cup, So, and they have that going for them. So we'll see how this one goes. I am really looking forward to this game. Last time these two teams played was when Colorado was in the middle of that six-game road trip that was in the beginning of the season, and they, they tripped up and lost to St. Louis 3-1, to so it'd be nice to kind of get back at them and take over first place in the division again. So, uh, yeah, should be a really good one. We will uh, have a summary of it for tomorrow's show. Hopefully it's a positive one where the Avalanche come out on top, of course, but we'll see. Uh, should be a great game. So until then, guys, uh, that'll be it for today. Have fun watching the game, and as always, here is Joby. Go, Abs, go!